0: Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 91. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, we have a fascinating guest. Jeff Stewart is the chairman and founder of Lendo. Now, Lendo have been around for quite some time. in fact, Jeff has spoken at every lended conference that we 've had in the u s anyway uh, since we began and his company is really breaking new ground. They are uh, focused on the underserved borrowers in undeveloped or developing countries and they have, they're now in 20 countries around the world, and they basically have developed technology that allows them to analyze very large data sets and allows them to be able to make a, a credit decision based on this very large data set. So we also talk about the different countries that they're in, differences between them. We talk about you know, identity verification, which is a very important piece. And we also talk about what they're working on for the future. It was a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I want to get started just by giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself, in particular, what you did before you started Lendo. Sure. So
1: I'm probably best described as a, a serial entrepreneur. I had started a my first company back in the 90s, was an internet technology company, and uh, we're pr- pretty early to realize that the the internet was going to change most businesses, most industries, and 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 had some success with a uh, a company that was essentially developed a methodology for deploying systems on the internet. Uh, we sold that. We started another company that did internet-based outsourced business processes around printing. Started another company that was in the uh, the carbon offset space. Huh. Uh, started a behavioral assessment company uh, and probably most relevant to the founding of Lendo started a company back in the, in the mid two thousands that was using artificial intelligence uh, to analyze data as it showed up on the internet for hedge funds. Hmm. And um, that had two, two attributes that were, were important. Uh, one is uh, we needed people to build data sets to train our algorithms called training sets. And that's a that was a labor-intensive effort. So we actually set up operations in the Philippines. Uh, and that's where I met my business partner for Lendo, Richard Eldridge. He ran a 400-person business process outsourcing firm over there. And we, uh, we co-employed people. And in doing that, we got familiar with having employees in emerging markets and uh, got exposed to the problems that they had in accessing credit. And years later, after... You know, after dozens of times of them asking for, for loans, <laughs> uh, we realized that this was a big problem, not just with, with people who Richard and I co-employed, but actually with, with hundreds of millions of people moving in, in, into the middle class. The second reason that experience was, was relevant is we were able to really push the limits of the technology back then. It was sort of pre-cloud machine learning, and we got very comfortable with the tools and techniques around machine learning. So with that experience in working with big data sets uh, and with that experience of working in the emerging markets, we started digging into the idea that, that perhaps we could predict who would repay uh, a loan based on their digital footprint.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, the first thing we did, you know, we knew that having great algorithms is only possible if you have great data sets. So we, back in 2010, we approached a series of banks and we said we wanted to, to pay them to make loans, to make bad loans. Uh, and then we wanted to pair that data up with, uh, with, with the borrower's mobile social footprint. And we, there were no takers. We couldn't find <laughs> banks that had any interest in making bad loans, right. even if we were giving them the money to do that. So we uh, we actually set up three lending companies, uh, one in the Philippines, one in Mexico, one in Colombia, and we issued thousands and thousands of loans. And while simultaneously using an infrastructure we developed to, with the permission of that consumer, analyze and digest their digital footprints. And after uh, several years of doing that, we got to the point where we could consistently predict the rate, the recovery rate for different cohorts. Uh, for different segments of the population, and uh, we were able to use that to either launch lending operations or to make existing lending operations much more profitable.
0: Okay, wow. So there's a lot. There's a lot there to unpack. But let's. Yeah. So I guess you you sold your other company that was the sort of hedge fund provider, and then you got to start Lendo. Is that is that how it was? You were you doing them simultaneously?
1: Well, it's never that simple. We actually in between there uh, launched. Some other companies, one of the companies we launched was in the behavioral assessment space. Okay. Uh, So we're actually, um, we're actually analyzing candidates and matching them with, with sales organizations that got us familiar with the predictive power of behavioral assessment, which I think was also, was was also important in the Lendo history. So like many of the things we work on, uh, it was, you know, it's not a, wasn't a linear path straight to Lendo. But once we issued that first loan back in March 2011, it became all-consuming. You know, as as your listeners know, the credit market is, is massive, mm-hmm. and uh, we realized that we if if we were successful, that this would become a standard for how credit is administered.
0: Right.
1: And and we believe that at, at Lendo, you know, five years from now, if you're issuing if you're issuing credit to a micro business or a consumer. And you're not using our platform, not using our algorithms, you're going to be at a substantial disadvantage
0: versus uh, the the financial institutions that that do use it. Right, right. So, so then you so you started up in, in 2011, and did so you start you started in the Philippines first, and you did what did you do? you do Mexico, Colombia, and the Philippines all at the same time? Uh no, Philippines was first. Then we did Colombia.
1: Then we did uh, Mexico.
0: Okay. And so, I mean, I, I'm just curious about why why did you go so quickly into multiple countries? Well, we wanted
1: to make sure that the the technology we were developing was had applicability globally. So we thought it was important to have customers in different parts of the world. And then also, when you build software, you know it's very easy to architect it and not take into account different cultures, different mm-hmm. languages. We wanted to make sure that that our that our architecture scaled across different jurisdictions, across different regulatory environments, across different cultures. So it was important to us to get that exposure early on. Uh, And we were pleasantly surprised that the core algorithms were really more about the way humans behave, not not about how a specific culture behaves.
0: Right, right. That is, I'm sure that was a, a relief in many ways because that way you can you can scale globally then. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so for those people who don't know, um, you've obviously explained it a little bit there, what what you do. Why don't you just give the listeners a little bit of the elevator pitch on exactly what Lendo does today?
1: Sure. Lendo has developed technology that allows consumers to use their digital footprint to prove their identity, and to improve their creditworthiness. We license this technology to financial service providers so that they can better serve their customers in the form of issuing credit to people that they otherwise would not have the comfort to issue credit, price that credit or size that credit appropriately, or just generally achieve efficiencies that were not possible in a non Algorithmically driven underwriting process. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so do you still make do your own loans, or is it all about the technology uh, licensing now?
1: It, it is all about the technology licensing.
0: Okay, so that was just really a proof of concept in a, in a way. I, I take it.
1: It was it, absolutely. It was a. It was the fastest path to get the data needed to build the algorithms because mm-hmm. because the, the the data that's needed is it's not just. The outcomes from the loans, which could take you know takes years to to gather because you need you need to you know, wait for people to repay these right, loans exactly. our, our typical loan was the exactly so so we needed you know years of, years of data, but the other component is you need the the digital behavior the digital footprint, and you know there are financial institutions all over the world who have been making loans and have recorded whether or not they got paid back unfortunately, uh, what they haven 't been doing is simultaneously collecting the entire digital footprint from the smartphone, from the social network. So we actually paired that data up so that we could, we could build, our, build our algorithms. And uh, in doing that, what we also found was that our algorithms were also able to predict, is this person who they say they are? So there's, a, there's an identity verification component to the algorithms, which can be stripped out and used separately as a separate use case.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then there's an element of the algorithms that predict the likelihood of repayment.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to dig into just for a little bit here. The, the data that you use and how you talk, you've, you've said it a couple of times, a digital footprint and how do you define that? And, and can you expand on it into sort of give us a real concrete example of someone Someone in the Philippines who, who has a mobile phone, it might be a pay-as-you-go mobile phone or whatever. I mean, how, what, what data are you collecting that makes it, that really helps you ascertain whether or not this person's a good credit risk? Sure. So
1: first I'd point out that it's, it's not so much the data as the way we've developed techniques to turn that data into features that, that can then be used by, uh, by risk managers and by data scientists. So it's the feature creation, which is where a lot of the the complexity occurs. But the, the, the raw data itself, you know, we're looking for three types of, of data. You know, one is data that gives insight into behavior, which could be, you know, what, how many apps do you install on your phone? Uh, What time do you start using the phone in the morning? How do you browse? How do you type Uh, really anything that might, you know, how long are your messages that you send? What time of day do you send messages? You know, really anything that could give insight into the, the consistency and the, the habits and the character and the behavior of a, of a person. The second category, uh, and this is where I think we've done some of the most ad- advanced science on the planet, is around the social activity. You know, it's What communities are you part of? How does the community treat you? How do you interact with? Who do you interact with? Uh, do you have many friends? Do you have a few friends? You know, what's the, what's your, your Dunbar universe look like? Uh, what does you know, what is your loose connections look like? And understanding that we have found consistently provides significant signal in an underwriting environment. And then the third is transactional. You know, really, any anything that gives insight into financial activity, which in, in emerging markets tends to be rather thin. But when you you know you you can use things like geospatial data, uh, SMS receipts, email receipts. There there are ways to get top up information. There are ways to get some insight into financial activity, which is also a uh, a, a good universe of data. Creating features around around that.
0: Mm -hmm. So, so let the the social data piece is that is that really as simple? I mean, I'm sure you said you said you've got very sophisticated technology here, but are you really are you looking at Facebook or other social networks and? looking at how that person actually interacts and whether, you know, the, the other people that they interact with, they might interact with a few deadbeats and that's a, that's a signal they might interact with a few very successful people. And that's a different signal. Is that, is that what you mean? Well, we, we,
1: what we from the very beginning, we designed our, our system with the idea that microfinance used the community to understand who is a good risk. Professor Yunus with Grameen Bank, he actually got a Nobel Prize for engaging the community in the underwriting process. Mm -hmm. So our theory, which we've now proven out, was that the way the community treats the individual and who, and specifically who they're connected to, uh, would be would be predictive. I guess to some degree we're influenced by my my mother, who used to (laughs) say, you know, you you will be judged by the company you keep. What we've mathematically proven is that the, the Framingham studies and other research in this area in epidemiology proves out true also when it comes to financial health. Hmm. So what I mean by that is, is there's a, a series of studies that prove that your community uh, activity can be used to predict things like propensity to smoke, likelihood to, uh, for uh, obesity, sexual promiscuity, likelihood to, to vote, you know, all all these things, likelihood to quit smoking, all could be predicted by looking at your friends and your friends' friends. And we have uh, uh, proven that this this technique also works for, uh, or can be used for uh, extending credit to people who otherwise would not have good options to get access to credit.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm curious about a couple of things there, Like we've, you, know, you you offer you obviously operate globally. We'll get into that in a little bit. But you know, some of the things you know, you talk to regulators in the U.S. and they get a little bit nervous when you know they hear some of the things that you that you just talked about there. So how do you, how do you approach the U.S. market and do I mean is I guess do you approach every market in a different way because you've got to fit in with. I imagine the different regulatory regimes around the world, and some are obviously a lot looser than others. And I would say the U.S. is probably pretty strict on how you use data. So, I, so two questions is, like, how do you approach different countries and what specifically do you – how do you approach the U.S.?
1: So you bring up an important, an important point. Uh, first, about the U.S. market, you know, we, we have very good access to credit in the U.S., so the regulators, I think, correctly look at any innovation skeptically for adverse uh, impact. Mm-hmm. What, what we've found as we work with regulators throughout the world, and, and, and we do, we're very proactive in engaging them, is that you know, the U.S. where the default situation is there's pretty good access to credit uh, is an anomaly. Most of the world... The regulators embrace us as uh, someone, you know, as an organization who has found a path to reduce risk in the system and get credit, and administer credit. So in some countries, we've actually had the central bank walk us in to the different banks and recommend that this is something they should look into. Hmm. Uh, in, in But in all countries, we make sure that the features we're using Hold up to the local to the scrutiny of the local regulators and also to the to the financial institution's risk managers. You know they need they need to be able to be defended and compliant. Uh, and we have the ability to uh, add or subtract features in, in an algorithm or in an underwriting process uh, depending on what's what's needed in that
0: environment. So the core technology. If you're, I see some of the countries on your website here, like Kenya, Jordan, India, Brazil, Peru, and Thailand. I mean, these are all very different countries with very different cultures. What you're saying is that the core of your technology doesn't it it it, it can it can translate across any culture. Is that what is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, the, the elements of our approach are founded in, are, are in computational anthropology. You know, it's really it's really about how the human brain is wired. Huh. So it, it, it definitely spans cultures. It's interesting, a quote out of um, one of the Steve Jobs books where uh, he was pointing out that 26 year olds in Palo Alto had more in common with 26 year olds in Turkey and in India than they had with their parents. And um, I, I think he, he uh, I think he was really onto something. What we see is the big cultural change is between people who have a smartphone and people who don't. Right. Um, you know, not the first couple weeks of having a smartphone, but but really, you know, people behave differently when they have this sort of ambient access to information, ambient connectivity to their friends and community. And uh, we we found that you know the thirty year old in Colombia. Who's had a smartphone for two years? you know they may use Microsoft Live instead of Yahoo, but they're you know not not dissimilar from Indonesia or the Philippines or Nigeria for that matter uh, so we're we're very excited about the role of technology in empowering people throughout the world, and our mission is we want to we want to help a billion people get access to financial services mm-hmm. and thanks to the you know, thanks to the hard work that the smartphone manufacturers and the carriers and the and the application providers and the social network providers have have done to lay the foundation, I think I think we're going to be able to achieve it.
0: Hmm. Okay, so I want to just I want to talk a little bit about you know the other you have you see you have you have two products you have your credit product and you also have your identity verification product. I mean, how how different are they, and what obviously. They're not unrelated, but it, you know, it sounds like you can just you can order the verification piece, or you can order the the credit piece, or I imagine both, of course. What is the difference between the verification product and your credit product?
1: So I would say you know we have more products and products configurations than those two, uh, but I would say that the 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 score and the verification are certainly you know some of our most most popular products, and 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 pretty. Pretty core to most deployments. The score uh, assigns a number between one and a thousand, uh, with with a thousand being top of the range, that correlates to a expected recovery ratio. So it's it's really designed to understand, based on the character and habits of the of the individual, w- what can you expect a portfolio of like scored loans. To, uh, how, how do you expect them to perform? And, and this is critically important in most of the world because most of the world doesn't have credit scores. Mm-hmm. You know, cre- credit scores are you know, there's a demographic component that's sometimes used, and then there's past repayment behavior. Um, the problem, you know, the problem is, uh, you know, uh, most people don't have past payment reha- behavior, or to the extent that that past repayment behavior exists, it's not with a, a formal financial institution you know, a lot of these countries, there may only be five or 6% of the population that has financial products from a traditional financial institution. So, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, if you don't have credit, it's very hard to get credit in these types of environments. So we've broken that cycle by instead using a different type of behavior and data to figure out uh, the likelihood of of repayment. Uh, We've also, that, that score also can be used in conjunction with a credit score. So the the quality of a credit, you know, there's there's countries where yes, there's a credit score, but that credit score, uh, you know, we had we had one uh, senior bank executive said is as far as they could tell the credit the local credit score is a random number. They they found zero correlation. So or in some cases it you know it's effective but only in some situ in in some use cases. So the Lendo score. Or elements of the Lando score can be used in conjunction with a local with a local scoring local credit score if there's one available, uh, and it can also be used you know, in conjunction and often usually is used in conjunction with a with a proprietary uh, scorecard.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I see your website says you're in 20 countries. It flashes them up in a nice a uh, nice map on your homepage. But I don't see China there. Is there a reason that you're not in the biggest underbanked country on earth? Yeah,
1: we um, we looked at China. Uh, in fact, we've you know we've done a fair amount of business outside of of Lendo in China, and uh, at the time made a made a decision that to do China right, you needed to dedicate uh, a lot of resources. Yep. And um, you know we you know as a as a small fast growing company felt that. You know, we we're better better focusing our energy, you know, outside of of China and uh, and also outside the U.S. Although we've, you know, in the U.S. we do have clients who are uh, looking to deploy us. Uh, we do we have had regulatory review and understand the use cases in the U.S. We've stayed very focused on places like India and Indonesia, Brazil, where our our you know technology is is you know not taking a couple points off of the profitability of a credit card portfolio, but is is changing people's lives, you know, substantially changing the friction and cost associated with getting credit. In many cases, making credit possible for the very first time, and and we're really excited about that. And, and have, have stayed pretty focused on emerging markets historically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the other the other element is, is uh, you know we're using algorithms. The, the the more data you have, the better your algorithms. You know we're we're moving very very fast. In these countries, and that means we're gathering you know, large amounts of data, so our algorithm is getting smarter and smarter every day. Uh, our infrastructure is getting more and more powerful. Uh, I think that this this approach of focusing on serving the emerging markets is going to make us a world leader in any jurisdiction long term
0: mm-hmm. yeah that, that sounds it that sounds like it so so can you just tell I'm just curious is there what countries Pay in a more timely fashion than others. Can you give us some sense of like, oh, you know, the the average Lendo score in, in uh, you know in South Korea is is way better than the average one in Indonesia or whatever. What can you give us some sense about across geographies, or is it really everyone's the same?
1: The score takes into account the country that you're in, okay. so they're normalized so that uh, they they perform the same uh, globally. That does not mean that. The general population has the same distribution in all countries. So that's an overly complex answer to a simple question.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough.
1: The, the answer is I, w- I wouldn't want to make generalizations about different countries. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's fair enough. So then, you know, there are obviously others doing similar or, or at least attempting to do similar things. I mean, do you, who do you see as your main competitors today? Uh, I
1: still think, you know, we've been we've been touting the, the power of big data and the, and the digital footprint uh, since 2011. And uh, I still think that the, the our biggest competitor is financial institutions moving slowly or thinking they can do this in-house. Right. You know, banks are under enormous pressure to shore up their balance sheet, to comply with regulation, there's billions of dollars of KYC AML fines going around and you know serving a, an underbanked community is not always in the top priorities. Mm-hmm. So I think our big challenge is not losing business to a competitor. I think our biggest challenge is uh, you know waiting them out to the point where they realize this is this is critically important to them being to being relevant. So I think I think that if we can shorten the the delay between when sort of senior management realizes this is important and sort of the mid-level management realizes this is important, then then I think it's it's uh, milk and honey going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're just about out of time, but I've got a couple more questions that I'd love to hear the answer to. So can you give us a sense of the scale that you're at today? I mean, you, you, on your website, you talk about 20 countries, 2.4 million applicants achieving greater financial inclusion. I mean, I presume that means 2.4 million people who have got a loan that wouldn't have. But like how many how many partners do you have globally? How many financial institutions? Can you give us some sense of the scale of your business today? Sure. So
1: we have uh, over Sixty financial institutions using our technology. We're adding, you know, we're adding one, two, three a week. Uh, I can't think of a week where we didn't add one recently. And we are doing, you know, hundreds of thousands of of, of loans a month. The size of those loans varies substantially by by country and by lender. Uh, generally, they're installment loans. So, you know, I, you know, our our, our original when we had our own lending operation, they were, they were six and twelve month loans. You know, I think I haven't looked at the mix in the last in the last couple of weeks, but it's generally you know long, longer term loans, uh, and it's generally uh, around a month's pay, although again it varies by country and uh, and and lender. Right.
0: Okay. Okay. So then finally, what like what are you working on now? That like where, where are you taking this business? I mean, what's is this? Are you just going to try and rule the world and be in every, every developing country in the world? I mean, where, uh, and, and not just scale, but what are, what are some of the more interesting things you're actually working on today?
1: I think that we are, this technology is amazing. And I think that our clients are just scratching the surface of how it can be used and, and of its power. So I'll give you an example. We have proven that we can algorithmically improve collection operations, so you know when, how, the medium, the message all these things can be optimized to to improve collections hmm. so you know algorithmically data driven algorithmically enhanced algorithm driven uh, collections and uh, you know we 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 know this works you know we we know how to do it, and I think that uh you know our our, our clients are um, you know, just now starting to ask about this. Well, also, on the on the targeting standpoint, you know, when the the entire digital marketing infrastructure for what we call the ad tech industry is really geared around intent. Turns out that intent intent to get a loan negatively correlates with right. likelihood to repay. Right. So, so I I think that uh, data science will increasingly be brought to the question of you know who should we be targeting. You know, not not because, oh, yeah, they'll they'll take out a loan, but because, oh, yeah, they'll pay back. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it, in, right. in, in traditional marketing, you know, if you're selling socks on the Internet, you know, someone doesn't buy your socks. Uh, that That's, you know, wasted marketing. Uh, with a loan, you can think you're successful and you, they take a loan and then you just paid to get a customer who's taken your money. It's really the worst. It's the worst advertising in the world is getting a bad borrower. So that's also something that can be can be solved. With uh, artificial intelligence, and I, I guess the, um, the the biggest thing is is deep learning. Uh, you know, over the last eighteen months, the technology you know, with traditional machine learning, a lot of it's based on pattern recognition, it, where you have you know your your good loans and your bad loans. Uh, with deep learning, you can you can use essentially all data to build a model of you know, how people behave and what are the attributes that are that are most likely to to be predictive, uh, and and this this sort of deep learning. Although although the core science has been around for for over twenty years, it's this is these advances in deep learning that are driving things like autonomous cars and um, you know the the voice recognition and and uh, you know things like Siri. It's it's uh, it's amazing amazing advances in the science and I think that as the cost of moving money around the planet drops, there there is the potential for people who are using the more advanced techniques or jurisdictions that embrace the more advanced techniques to grab a a big piece of the the global lending market.
0: Mm -hmm. Fascinating. I tell you what, I could could chat another 20 minutes about that, but we are out of time. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Jeff.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Okay, see ya. After an interview like that, I, I feel very excited about where we're at as an industry. And the reality is, you know, we've said it before that but- Really, it became clear to me during this interview is that we are only just getting started i mean lendo 's only been around since two thousand and eleven, and you know some of this data that 's coming on board now is is fresh and new and it 's going to be refined over time but it, it really you know the, the bottom line that I see it is there are the majority of the people of the world are responsible and honest and Many of them cannot get a loan simply because we don't know that. And what I hear from Jeff is that, you know, with enough data, we can know that. And, you know, so what that means is that the you know, the person who's wanting to start a, a small business who's in Mongolia, who doesn't have really any other way to get credit, can suddenly find themselves with with access given the technology that Lendo is bringing to the table. That's exciting to me. That's what I feel like this this industry is all about. We are trying to make the world a better place and we are trying to expand access to credit. And Lendo is doing that successfully today. Speaking of which, just a little plug for Lendit. Jeff will be speaking at Lendit as he does every year and he's going to be speaking on our financial inclusion track talking about analytics and some of the things we discussed today. It's not too late. Lendit is on March 6th and 7th. And if you haven't bought a ticket yet, you can go to lendit.com. As Jeff will be there, I'll be there. And most, pretty much everybody in the industry is going to be there. On that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye.